Hello, Jordan. What's going on, Michael? Back to the weekly uploads. Weekly uploads. This is, you know how your favorite Netflix show has like a mid-season intermission sometimes? Yeah. I mean, no, because I usually just part get one, them. Part one, part two. I usually end up watching it like four years later, so I just have them all there. <laughs> but yeah, I know like they usually have an intermission. So like you have to wait a little, wait a few months or something to, to get to the second half of it. We had an intermission. An all-star break, you could call it, whatever. But Jordan had a little international trip, and uh, now we're back. Yeah, and sometimes you just gotta gotta take a little break so they know, like, oh shit, like so they don't take you for granted, right? So they're like, <laughs> oh man, we're, we're in those episodes. You know what I mean? Can you give us a dating analogy that might make this a stickier concept for us? Dating specifically, sure. Um, I wonder why. <laughs> Why date? <laughs> Could you give us a, a dating specific analogy? <laughs> you're good. You're good at those. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows. You know, if you have whether if someone's pursuing you and they're just constantly hitting you up and they're just like, hey, hey, what do you think? What do you think? Should we go out? Should we go out? You're like, all right. Like, even if you were interested at first, it's like, all right, enough. Um, and if they're like always there. Everyone says, like, I don't like to play games. I don't like to play games. Everyone plays games usually subconsciously. Like, At least uh, a little. It, yeah. So, like, if someone's always available, oftentimes subconsciously or even consciously, you'll be like, nah, I don't really want that person. But then let's say that person starts dating someone else. You're going to be like, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> like, what happened here? And then you'll start hitting him up. And then you're like, I don't even really want to be with this person, but I don't like that they're with another person. So, and I really liked the attention they were giving me. So uh, I don't I don't know who we are in that scenario. Oh, I guess we're the person that like you don't, you might think you don't want to be with, but then we start seeing someone else and that seeing someone else is us taking a couple week break from podcasting. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, like I actually, I, I need these guys in my life. I need these guys every, their weekly uploads. So, and we got, that's perfect. Thank you. We both got so many nice messages. I got a few asking if everything was okay. You know, we haven't been uploading for a couple of weeks. So we're, we're happy we were missed, but, uh, you know, we're not breaking stride on, on weekly uploads here. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling good, man. Feeling really good about this. Me too. Um, where do you- Oh, want? we have a sale. That's where we're starting. And we're not big sales guys. I don't even know if we would call this a sale because we're not posting it on social. We're not blasting it out to everyone, but just for anyone who happens to be listening to this podcast, we have what, maybe a one week sale for the mentorship, 20% off. I'll, I'll let you tell everyone about it. No, I think you're doing a great job. We got a fucking 20% off sale that we're going to do. We were like, uh, when we were planning this episode, we were like, hey, should we just do a sale? Like we haven't been on it for a few weeks, just do a 20% sale. So yeah. And before the episode, I was like, we should pick out what the code is going to be for the sale. So when you go to the the website, the link in the show notes, you want to join the mentorship. So you know what fucking code to put in so that you know, so you can get the 20% off. And Mike was like, let's uh, figure it out during the episode. So I have no idea what the code is. What do you think the code should be, Mike? You know, I got a lot of ideas. I, I, uh, <laughs> something podcast related, since this is only a podcast offering, this isn't getting blasted out to email lists or Instagram or YouTube or anywhere else. Not Twitter, not TikTok, not Snapchat. 
We're not putting it on Tumblr, Google. It's Pinterest. not going to, uh, you know, sidewalk chalk, guerrilla marketing, Twitch. billboards, banner ads, uh, pre-rolls, mid-rolls, after-rolls. <laughs> Pop-ups. Scales. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who knows pop-up scale, that's it. Pop-up, pop-up scales, scale. That's it. I like that. That worked out really well. Should we tell that story? Let's tell that story. So the code, the the code, and we don't do these, you know, historically since we started the mentorship several years ago, we've averaged, I think, two sales per, I don't think we've ever done more than two sales per year. We average between one and two sales per year. So 20% off um, using the code. we, We usually do one or two sales a year, and we also increase the price one or two times a year. So, so like that's sort of how it works out. So if you want to get in right now, this is the lowest the price will ever be because the next time we do something, it will be a price increase and we'll be letting everyone know like, so right now will literally be the time you will, the lowest price you will ever be able to get into the mentorship. It will never be this low again, because the next time we do a promotion for it, it will, we're saying that the price is going to go up. So this sale for the next week is the lowest you will ever be able to get into the online fitness business mentorship if you want to do that right now. So we'll put the link in the show notes. The uh, The code will be pop-up scales, one word, all lowercase, pop-up scales, P-O-P-U-P scales. And uh, we'll tell you that story right now. Yeah. And that's plural, multiple scales, because Gary wanted multiple scales. This is the most ridiculous thing you'll ever hear. So- we won't go into the whole detail about, you know, we I, first Mike coached Gary for two years. I coached Gary for three years. And now Mike has been coaching Gary ever since. It's been another three years or so, right? Since. Uh, wow. I stopped Time in 2019. Flies. I stopped June 1, 2019. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been mm-hmm. going. Yeah. So it's basically been ever since. So um, during my time with Gary, there was a period of time where, you know, so when he started working with Mike. Mike made him send him pictures of the scale every morning because Gary would often lie about what his weight was. <clears throat> so by taking a picture of the scale, it would help make it more accurate and uh, and keep him honest. And that was actually his idea because yeah. he knew that about himself. He wanted that additional accountability. And he said, I, I don't just want to text you my weight. And I don't want you to look at this app that tracks my weight. I want to send you a picture of the scale so that you know what my actual weight is every morning. And I said, cool, if that helps you feel more accountable, I'm in, let's do it. Yeah, so that's what Gary and Mike did. And we just continued that when I took over. And for the first, I don't, I don't know, this was what this was like a year in, you think? Like probably about a year in where this happened. What do you- 2017. Yeah, this, no, this was late. This is, oh, this is maybe two years in? This is 2018, Yep. Got it. Okay. So two years in for the first like year, year and a half, crushing it. Great. And then um, it looks like Gary's weight is fine. He's sending me his weight every morning. There's no problems. Um, Just staying very consistent right around like 173 to 175 on a very consistent basis. And one morning, Gary sends me a text message after we work out. And, uh, what was the phrase that he used? I think he said, I know like, exactly what he said. And by the way, we were together. Oh, we were. were we, you no, 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 no. We, I, no, I called you because I was, I think I had just left your place and then I went back to your place afterwards. That's right. What, what, what was uh, the, what did he say? He's like, uh, <laughs> the phrasing was, I've lost my way. Oh my God. Yeah. I've lost my way. 
I've lost my way. This is like a summer day, 2018. It was beautiful out in New York. I'm walking along the street and I just get a text from Gary. I've lost my way. <laughs> and then, um, and so I call him because I'm like, that's, that's like a, a real text to get. So I call him immediately and, um, and he's, he's telling me, he's like, listen, I've, I've lost my way, you know? And basically he explains that he's been, uh, he, he's been lying about his weight. And I was like, what do you mean you've been lying? Like, I've been seeing it. He's like, no, I figured out that if I put my big toe against the wall while I weigh in, that it will take off a certain amount of weight on the scale. And I've been sending you that weight. So he had actually gained about like eight to 10 pounds or so. So he was in like the low 180s. And he he was said that he was sitting in the car just like, and if you know Gary, you'd know that he does this. If you don't know Gary, you don't know he does this, but he always like pinches his belly fat. Like consider he always will pinch his belly fat. Um, and so he's like, yeah, I'm sitting here in the car and my stomach is just coming over my lap. And it's just like, I, I had to tell you I've lost my way. And I've been like, I was like, okay, man, like, well, thank you for telling me in my mind, I'm being like, I can't believe like you have this like full-time personal trainer that you're paying with you to travel over the world. And you're lying to me by fucking sticking your big toe on the wall. But, um, he's like, I need you to carry a scale with you everywhere we go and randomly weigh me in. Now, there are many things going through my mind right now. First and foremost being, there's no fucking way I'm doing that because I don't agree with that just on principle. But let's say, even though I didn't agree with it on principle, like if, if you know, you're with someone very powerful, like you, you're, this is like your one main client, oftentimes you'll, you might do things just because you want to, you know, make them happy. The reason I wouldn't do that with Gary is because I actually do think that would help keep him more accountable, to be honest, even though like it, it was a complete, like it didn't make sense. I do think it would actually keep him more accountable and he would actually enjoy it. But you have to remember, Gary's being filmed 24 seven. So imagine being his personal trainer who's doing this because like you think it's going to help keep him happy. And even though you know, and he knows it's not uh, reminiscent of actual fat gain or fat loss consistently throughout the day. He puts this on his vlog and explains to millions of people that his personal trainer carries a fucking scale around with you. <laughs> so you weigh him in public. Like this is just not a good look. And I just, I went hard. I was like, I'm absolutely not doing that. And he's like, then I'm going to find someone who will. <laughs> and then and this is after, not only did he tell us he lost his way. There were about six different group chats with D-Rock yeah. and Ty and, and everyone. I've lost my way. I've lost my way. Then he, like, he hangs up the phone and he starts group texting you and me. So he texted me first. Then we got on the phone. Then he texted you and me and he goes, I've lost my way. And then he texted you, me, and Ty. And he said, I've lost my way. Then he texted you, me, Ty, and D-Rock. I've lost my way. I think there was at least one or two other group texts that he just kept saying, I've lost my way. I've lost my way. I've lost my way. And then so Mike and I got together and, and we basically came up with this whole good cop, bad cop scenario where we were going to storm oh into Gary's gosh. office and and like be like, this is absolutely not happening. And we walk into his office. We like make Ty, his assistant at the time, book us an appointment with him that day. And I was just livid. I was so pissed. And so we walk in there. have We have this amazing plan about how we're going to convince Gary that this just doesn't make any sense at all. And he just runs the conversation <laughs> runs us over in the meet runs the meeting with charisma and energy yeah just the that me i really wish like that it has to be on video somewhere but like that meeting 
is the perfect example of why he's so successful and he's such a good businessman because we went in there ready to just tear him a new one and he just bulldozed us. He just, bu- but like in a nice way. In with such kindness. A, yeah, yeah, bulldozed <laughs> us with kindness being like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be. <laughs> and, and, but yeah. he, wa- he wasn't even pushing hard for the pop-up scale. He was, I don't even know what he said in that meeting, to be honest. I just know that I came out of it thinking, we did zero good cop, bad cop. Our, our like sticking it to him idea didn't work at all. Yeah. But he's very happy and excited and hopeful about what's about to happen. The the resolution that we came up with was me walking around with a tape measure and tape measuring him every morning. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't. That was the, that was a, uh, it was, it was all the about compromise? measurements. Yeah, that was the compromise was, all right, I'm not going to walk around with a fucking digital scale in my backpack. So I'll walk around with this tiny little tape measure. And when we work out in the morning, we'll do measurements. And in my mind, I was like, this is much less weird for people to see. And like, uh, it's it doesn't look nearly as disordered. And like, actually, and I, in, in my mind, all I would do is I would, I would compare it. Uh, every two weeks. Like I wouldn't compare it to the day before. I'd be like, cool. So yeah, it's like two weeks ago, you were this, now you're this. Um, Yeah, just an absolute mess. And there's a big difference between taking waist measurements or any kind of measurements with your coach before or after a workout compared to being like at the office or being in the middle of Manhattan and stepping on a scale that your trainer just rolled up with, pulled out of his backpack (laughs) and was like, on now, accountability. Yeah, like if it was up to Gary in line at the airport, I would have made him step on the scale. Like he he thrives on that type of weird situational stuff. Like, and he loves, he loves to be put in these really awkward situations. And then to explain to people like, yeah, that's my full-time coach. He's like really keeping me accountable. So we're like, when, when we would go out, he would go out to dinner and he'd have like four dinner meetings in a row. And we would just sit there in the restaurant at the bar. He would always be like, Hey, Hey, Jordan, come here, come here, come here, come here. And he'd want to introduce me to whoever this business meeting was with. So he could be like, yeah, this, I'll never forget. There was one time that we went to a sushi restaurant in LA and I'm exhausted. We got off the plane, da da da, whatever it is. And I'm just sitting at the bar answering emails, writing programs, whatever. And this guy that Gary's having a meeting with, like he just keeps looking at me and, and I can see that he's saying, who is that guy? And Gary calls me over and, and Gary goes, he goes, do you know why I didn't have the ice cream tonight? To the guy. And the guy was like, why? He's like, because he's here. Yeah. <laughs> he was just so, you know, you know why I said no? Because he's here. That's why. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's true though. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> just ridiculous. I forgot about, and that's like an underrated, uh, the amount of work that got done that probably wouldn't have in the 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. range because we were like a table over yeah. is, is remarkable. <laughs> we might, you know, we'll tell the popcorn story soon. I can hear you through the mic chewing just so you know. Oh, can that- you really? <laughs> Yeah. And and I'm only like 7% bothered. I, I would imagine David's like 22% bo- and there might just be people listening who, so just for the purposes of- I'm chewing you know. pumpkin seeds. I really didn't think they were that loud. Do you, do you want to, you should tell the popcorn story and then we'll get into the episode. I don't even find the popcorn story. It's you, funny. Bi- it's super you funny. You built it up as a funny story. I don't think How it's funny. How did I build it up? Literally on the podcast, you were like, leave a review and say, le- mention popcorn and we'll tell the popcorn story because it's so funny. Did I say that? I don't remember uh-huh. saying that. When, when when did I say that? Probably about two months ago. Oh, wow. Two, two and a half months ago in that range. 
Well, so we're, we were doing a, a mentorship live Q&A. So we do two mentorship live Q&As a month. They're about like an hour and a half each where we just answer all the questions that uh, people in the mentorship have, which by the way, if you want to join Pop-Up Scales, link in the show notes, if you want to join Pop-Up Scales for 20% off, this is going to be the lowest price it will ever be. Um, so I'm just eating popcorn while while we're do, <laughs> doing this Q&A and we're doing it via Zoom. And... Um, and and I can you know I'm I can generally be very perceptive of how people are feeling and Mike just goes hang on hang on hang on Jordan is unbelievably aware of other people's intentions and you're like the one seed of understanding what other people are thinking and doing by paying attention to them so yeah so that's definitely one and of I, my and strengths I, <laughs> and I know this because I have no idea nor does it even really cross my mind ever. <laughs> So we're doing this q and I'm thinking it's going super well and I'm just munching on this popcorn and then out of nowhere Mike just grits his teeth. He like he he has his teeth grit and I don't think anyone in the mentorship could tell but like because I know Mike and I know how he acts he just goes what are you eating Jordan popcorn? Oh, I wish I could have some popcorn and immediately in my head I know he's infuriated that I'm eating popcorn right and, now. And how, and how did you know that? The gritting of the teeth. The, uh, the, the, then, but what? you told me like as a kid. My mom would that, grit her teeth when she was super mad. Like that, that's how I knew <laughs> that I had gone too far with my mom when she would grit her teeth. And, I, and so like when I, when I saw you gritting your teeth, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> well, and it was completely unconscious. I'm trying to like think, this is back in 2020, I think. I'm trying to think through and make a, a point and articulate it. And Jordan's like, I, I, I actually think you might have been tossing it in the air and catching it in your <laughs> mouth at one point, at least with a few kernels. <laughs> and like, I'm really trying to like, you know, engage. And I was like, oh, popcorn. Nice. <laughs> I wish I could have some popcorn right now. <laughs> uh, so there it is. Yeah. Pop-up scales. Pop-up scales, 20% off. We got the top tips, business. What are we titling this episode? Top 10. Top business growth tips in 2022. We have 10 we're hitting five in depth in today's episode. Yeah. So we got five today and then the last five next week. So the way that we sort of planned it out is these five are going to be more um, uh, globally, like global things to look at. And philosophy. Next yeah. The, Clouds. The, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then next week is going to be more like practical, more things that you can, can actually do on the day to day in the dirt type stuff. But you have to understand both. You have to understand both to to be able to get the best of both worlds. So the top five or top like top ten, and the first five today, and the next five in the next episode, which is next week because we do weekly uploads. That's all we do is weekly uploads, except during the intermission. But yeah, we're out of that, and let's dive in. Let's number do one. It. What's number one? Oh, but all right, we'll what? dive in. What? By by the way, what? You know, it it has absolutely no bearing on what we're about to discuss. And uh, I was just going to say I almost threw up during my leg day today, and that hasn't happened to me in years. Why? Because it was so hard? That's what she said. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there there was no other reason. Just leg extensions really close to failure, high reps, not even an exercise that you would expect to like take you to that area. I hate leg extensions. They're so uncomfortable. 
Yeah. Like they're a great exercise for building quads, but like I hate doing them. It's my least favorite exercise ever. Leg extensions are your least favorite exercise? I would literally rather do any other exercise than leg extensions. It's like the most uncomfortable for me. Interesting. That's why I have tiny quads. No, you don't. I got pretty small quads, but it's good. It's I can choke people with my legs. <laughs> <laughs> it's intentional. <laughs> That's all. All right, ready? Number one? Number one. I've got the list here in front of me. Depth over width. Hmm. Okay. So when Mike and I were planning this out, this is the first one that came to our minds. Um, in a world in which there's so much focus on getting more followers and reaching more people. And, and literally, I saw this happen the other day. There was someone on social media who literally was so excited that they not that one of their posts went viral for and and they were like I've been trying for years to make a post go viral and they made a whole post about how excited they were that a post went viral and about how much they hope another post will go viral soon and I think this is very reminiscent and very uh th this is reminiscent of of many people uh, of many people nowadays especially in the fitness industry or anybody trying to grow a business online they just they want to reach more people more people more people and I get it. Like, I very much understand it. And I'm not saying that's inherently wrong. There's definitely a time and a place for with to reach more people. But when the search is always for, for more people, more people, more people, you end up not paying much attention to the people who are already there. You end up neglecting those people. And, and I think those are the most important people. I mean, let's say, for example, Let's say you only have 500 followers, which I think by today's standards, like would not be a lot of followers, but imagine if you had 500 followers and all 500 of them are, and you know, you know what, fuck it. We'll say 450 of them because 50 of them could be family and friends and, and whatever people who like wouldn't really buy from you anyway. But let's say 450 of those people are super engaged with your content. They like everything you do. Uh, and, and let's say 300 of them become paying clients. 300 paying clients? Are you kidding? Like, that's insane. You have an unbelievable business that will sustain you and provide your for your family and help hundreds of people. Not to mention, think about, imagine getting up on stage in front of 300 people or 400 people or 500 people. Most people would be shitting themselves if they got up on stage in front of that many people. That's a, that's a ton of people. But then you post on social media and like you get, you got all upset because you don't have as many followers as the next person. So the reality is having a business that is built on depth is without question the best type of business you can build. It's going to, it will sustain you long-term. I think it's much more realistic. Um, and it's, it's less about, it's actually more about what actually matters and less about what doesn't. Followers are like monopoly money. Having more followers doesn't mean anything. Uh, I know many people with hundreds of thousands of followers. This isn't a joke. This is real. I know people with hundreds of thousands of followers who are struggling with their business. And I know other people who have a couple thousand followers who are dominating their business. And it's because they're doing all the right things. So stop endless, this endless chase for more with, more with, more with, for more followers, for more followers, and really put the focus on who's already following you. Preach. Mic drop. It, it's uh, it's especially true in fitness and as a personal trainer, as a coach. And here, here's why. For influencers, 
and content creators and, you know, internet famous people, right? Like people like what you would imagine 13-year-olds want to become when they grow up in this day and age of this new generation. If you're not, like if you're just getting famous for the sake of being famous, you need a giant audience to make a, a reasonable standard of living because you're doing, you know, brand deals, you're doing uh, ad revenue, you're doing like the way you're monetizing is through attention, but without any specifics. You're audible sponsoring a video, you're running pre-rolls on YouTube. You do need a massive audience to make a living wage if you are just making stuff and getting quote unquote famous to get famous. As a coach, 20 clients, like we're actually, we're selling a service that is really helping people that you don't need a lot of people paying to, to have a, a full-time job, right? 20 clients at what, what do you think? 200 or 300, somewhere in that range is probably the average uh, amount that people in the mentorship are charging for coaching between 200 and $300 a month times 20 clients. Like you're, you're making real money and your audience doesn't need to be a norm. I mean, I can think of so many people who have 20 clients in the mentorship who have, you know, a couple thousand followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not to mention like, you know, depth over width. When you care about a smaller number of people, or, or let's just say when you care about the people who are following you and you're following up for free and you're DMing, you're applying to questions on email without expectation of anything, those people are, not all of them, but some of those people are going to become coaching clients. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where spending your time, like you said, focusing on the people who are already following you and care about you and serving them rather than trying to go viral, have hundreds of thousands of followers. It's actually going to benefit you from a business perspective to focus on really helping your quote unquote smaller audience. A hundred percent. I remember before I started coaching Gary, uh, I remember the reason I started the inner circle was because I couldn't take on any more one-on-one -on -one clients. And, uh, and I had 80 clients at $300 a month and I had less than 5,000 Instagram followers. Mm -hmm. Like, like it's, it's very real. It is. And, and the majority of those clients actually came from my, my personal Facebook page at that time, my personal, not my professional page. It was my personal page. Cause I was just posting every day, random strength lessons and tips on my personal Facebook page. That's where the majority of it came from, uh, which is still very, it still works today, whether it's your Instagram, your Facebook, whatever it is, um, you don't need that many followers in order to build a great business. And Mike says this all the time. Um, this it's, it's super important. One of the, uh, one of the things you've always said, Mike, that I liked was the, the disadvantage of the person that has a lot of followers is the ability to connect with each person. The advantage of the person who doesn't have a lot of followers is being able to connect with them, being able to speak with them. So where I won't be able to reply to every comment, someone else will be. If you have fewer followers, you can reply to every comment. You can DM with every person. So that's your advantage over someone like me, maybe has a bigger audience and I don't have the time to do that. So use that to your advantage. You like it's you, if you might as well use that to your advantage and, and, uh, build your business from that and have that personal connection with people. The, 
I won't be able to have a personal connection with everyone in the inner circle. And I love the inner circle and it's an amazing business model. I really enjoy doing it. But the major flaw is a lack of personal connection. One of the reasons, that's one of the reasons why on my podcast, I speak with inner circle members because it's my way of trying to create more personal connection. But it's impossible to do it with every single one of them. So your advantage is being able to do that. And again, if you're, if you're, if your goal is to be famous, then I would question why the fuck you're listening to this podcast in the first place and and if you really want to be a coach. If your goal is to be famous, that's a different goal altogether. If your goal is to be a great coach and to help people and build a business that supports you and your family and and helps people, like you stop chasing so many followers. By all like you might get a lot of followers if you do the right things over a long period of time, you post amazing content, you're consistent. But if your focus on getting more followers is equally as bad as your client's focus on on the scale trying to go down every single day. Like if if that if you tell your clients stop focusing on the scale all the time, like the scale doesn't mean very much and you can be healthy and happy without like worrying about the number on the scale, same thing goes for you and your number of followers. I'm going to give a real we'll move on to the next one, but a practical example here of what you just said. So if you're uh if you have Let's say 450 followers, like you or 500, and 450 of them aren't family and friends. And a way that you can compete and beat Jordan, who has almost a million followers. Let's say Cheryl in Tennessee, who's 46 years old, happens to follow Jordan, and she also follows you. And she follows, I don't know, 25 other fitness professionals. She has DM'd Jordan three times, but because Jordan gets so many DMs, he literally just has never seen Cheryl DM. Cheryl also DM'd you a question. You could literally give Cheryl 20 minutes of your time for free, whether that's going back and forth, like really in detail, helping her on a DM, voice memo, jumping on a quick call, whatever it might be, with no expectation. When Cheryl wants to sign up for something, you have the edge because you have the advantage of being able to go deeper with her than someone with a bigger audience could. That's exactly right. Number two, dominate one platform. Mm, This is a good one. They're all going to be good ones, but this is a really good one. I think early on, especially now, because, you know, there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's TikTok, there's, uh, there's Twitter, there's website articles, there's email list, there's Pinterest, there's Tumblr, there's everything, right? So there's YouTube, there's podcasts. It's, it's, people get so overwhelmed with like, which one should I do? And how often should I post and all of them? And it becomes so overwhelming. And the reality is, you, you just need to crush it with one. Just one, and sort of the same thing with your clients. Let's say you have a client come in, um, they're, they're, they're severely overweight. They don't know where to begin. They're like, well, listen, I see there's hit. I see there's, uh, Barry's bootcamp classes. There's, uh, there's, um, fucking what's that? The, what's that one? Orange theory. Orange theory. Yeah. There's, there's hit. There's Barry's bootcamp. There's orange theory. There's, there's walking. There's Zumba. There's, uh, there's strength training. There's Pilates. There's yoga Lotties. There's all this stuff. There's fucking, um, shake weights. There's shake weights. There's hula hooping. There's rollerblading. There's ice skating. There's swimming. There's aerobics. What the fuck do I do? There's keto. There's paleo. There's intermittent fasting. Da da da. And you're like, hey, let's just do one thing. Let's just get you walking. Let's just start with that. And then keep, let's make sure you're staying hydrated. Let's make sure you're sleeping. One thing, you stack one on top of the other, but you start with one habit at a time. That's how you have to approach social media. That's how you have to approach your business. So 
I think Mike and I actually got in. We were very lucky to get in at the time that we got in because we sort of got in as the industry was progressing. I sort of think about it like the Harry Potter books. I was at like the perfect age with the Harry Potter books because as the Harry Potter books came out, I could read one and then I had to wait a couple of years, right? Read one, wait a couple of years. So, and then every time they would come out again, I would reread the whole series up to that point. And then, so like you really like, you you only could focus on one at a time, one at a time, then one and two, and then one, two, three, and then one, two, three, four. So you really build up with it. Um, with social media, when, when you and I first started, it was just like Facebook and website articles. Mm-hmm. That's That was it. It was just like personal Facebook page, website articles. And and the main focus was really website articles for years. That was the one thing that we did. And then after the website articles for a couple of years, then I went to email list. So then I did website articles and email list. And I did that for a couple of years. Then I had website articles, email list. Then I went hard on, on Instagram and I did Instagram hard for a couple of years. So I had website articles, email list, uh, Instagram. And then from there, uh, after that, I went to YouTube. So then I had website articles, email list, Instagram, and then YouTube. And I did that for about a year and a half. And I went from website articles, email list, Instagram, YouTube, podcast. And so you build and you build and you build and you look at me now and you're like, but you're, you're on, you have a website with like hundreds of articles and an email list and you have an Instagram and you have a TikTok and you have a YouTube and you have a podcast. Well, yeah, so that's right there. That's six things. And I've been doing this for about 11 years now online. So I spent several years just focusing on one thing at a time. And when you do that, when you build up an audience just on one platform, then you can push that audience elsewhere and you can help it grow. You can help grow other platforms as well. And then you can also help reach new people. But if you're trying to do multiple platforms at the same time, odds are you're not going to do very well. You should just be the fucking best on one platform for a couple of years before you move to another one. It's too hard to try to grow multiple simultaneously, especially when you're just starting your business, especially when you're not somebody who has a content production team. You don't have videographers and editors and writers and people doing this stuff for you. When you're doing it all yourself, to be successful at growing five platforms at the same time, you would almost have to spread yourself so thin that quality suffers to the point where none of them grow. Yep. Right? Like imagine posting multiple times a day cross platform in six different places as you an individual even if you were at like your hungriest, angriest, most productive, like most primed for success state. Yeah. You basically couldn't do that. You can't. You can't at all, especially when you're by yourself. Um and maybe two, right? Like if you want to pick a short form that you're that you have some momentum on that's going well and a long form and like focus on two, mm-hmm. that's something that has worked well uh you know, for many coaches that we've seen. But uh yeah, one or two platforms rather than trying to do it all. Yeah. There I mean there are, for example, TikTok and Instagram right now go very well together mainly because TikTok became Instagram's main competitor and Instagram is trying to do everything they can to uh, catch up with it and do damage control. So in- essentially, Instagram has included TikTok on their platform, right? Like that's, that's Instagram is now TikTok. And so if you're going to make an Instagram video or Instagram reel or a TikTok, you could use them on both platforms. That's fine. That's no problem at all. But otherwise, 
it, I would just focus on one. Um, what you could do, like Mike was saying, is you could have uh, film a YouTube video once a week or twice a week, whatever it is. And if there are two to four clips from each YouTube video that you can then cut down into uh, 30, 60, 90 second segments for an Instagram reel or a TikTok, whatever it is, great. You can then use that on that platform as well. But for me, like when things really took off, it was because I was posting three times a day on Instagram every day. Like that, that's really when things started to take off from an audience perspective. And that's all I was doing. It was just Instagram three times a day, every day. And then from there you can push elsewhere. So that's, I, I think just focus on one, just really just focus on one at a time. Now, the question here is, well, which one? Um, I'll, I'll start by saying this. I don't think if you have no audience or a very small audience, I don't think podcast is the way to go from the beginning. It's very hard to grow a podcast if you don't have an existing audience, um, which makes sense. Most podcasts are 30, 60 plus minutes. And they the only way they're going to find out if they know you is if they like are, you know what, I'm willing to dedicate 30 to 60 minutes to this one person who I don't know. Like, it's very difficult to convince someone to do that. But if they follow you on TikTok or they follow you on Instagram or they follow you on YouTube or they follow your website and they trust you, then they'll be more likely to go to it. So I would say... You could choose any. You could start with website articles is a great option. You could start with Instagram. You could start with TikTok. Uh, you could start with YouTube. I think any of those would be great options to begin with and then push later on to uh, to your email list and to your, your podcast. But any one of those website articles, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, I think those are, are really good ones to begin with. I, I completely agree. I think you made a good point about places where you can create content that, and then put it in two places, like posting a reel and a TikTok, and having it be the exact same thing, right? So you're getting two for one there. Um, and then either website or YouTube. And that kind of depends on your strengths. Mm -hmm. uh, are you, are you a great writer or, or do you really, are you very extroverted and very animated and enjoy being on video? Like if you have a strong preference there, picking either website or YouTube and going hard on making those, you know, really strong, long form, SEOable, educational pieces of content. Yeah, that's exactly right. Number three, how you doing, Jordan? Dude, I'm great. I put all my pumpkin seeds back in the container, so they're not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not tempted to have any. <laughs> You're getting that fiber in though. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got probably like 35 grams of fiber in today already. You're a fiber machine. I'm trying, man. I'm really trying. I can't believe there are so many people out there. You know, I know you're not on, you're not really consuming much content lately, but there are some people out there who are just trashing fiber, trashing vegetables, like, you know, carnivore MD fucking nonsense. I was literally just going to say, is there anyone who isn't a carnivore advocate who is trashing fiber? No, it's all carnivore nonsense. Okay. So it's people who are advocating just eating meat. Yeah. I'm actually super scared about it. So this is interesting. There's an amazing, amazing wrestler that I follow. Um, I'm not going to say his Instagram just because I, or because I don't want to call him out, but, um, amazing wrestler, world-class on the Olympic team. Like, and I followed him for years and I saw him put on his page that he's going to start doing the carnivore diet. And, uh, and I think a lot of coaches struggle with, well, how do you approach this, like telling someone that you really care about or whatever it is that like, you don't like what they're doing? So I actually left a comment on his page. And uh, and I was just like, I'm a huge fan, followed you for years. You're a huge inspiration of mine. This is like a world-class wrestler, a truly an incredible, incredible wrestler. And I was like, um, 
I, I hope that that it, you enjoy it and that it helps your performance and makes you feel good. Please just make sure you go to your doctor and get consistent checkups on your colon health and all of that and blood work done to make sure everything's okay because uh, this is it's very scary to me to see a lot of people doing diets that like completely lack fiber whatsoever. Um, and he ended up, he followed me immediately. And DM me and was like, hey, man, thank you so much. And and I think it's because I, I didn't say like, this is fucking stupid or like you should. I was just like, please just make sure you go to your doctor and get consistent checkups. Um, and otherwise, I, I really hope that you enjoy it. And it ended up having a great conversation. This guy, like a huge audience and, and very well known in the, in the wrestling and mixed martial arts world. Um, so who knows if anything will come from that. But when you're trying to speak with someone who's doing something you don't like, coming at it from the perspective of this is fucking stupid is not a good idea. Especially if it's someone that like, either it's someone that's you're really close to or someone you don't know at all. If there's someone like in between there, maybe you could be joking around like, yeah, that's fucking stupid. But like, if it's a spouse, usually not a good idea to be like, this is fucking stupid. And if it's someone on social media, terrible idea to take that route, uh, especially in a comment on their post. But I thought that was interesting. Yeah. That's, that's well handled. And it's, a, it's like an important PSA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eat your fiber. You track your fiber, Michael? No, I don't track my fiber uh, numerically. Interesting. How do you track it? Intuitively. I'm an intuitive fiber eater. Got it, got it, got it. That's, a new, that's our next book, Intuitive, intuitive Fiber, fiber. Eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, book is doing well, by the way. Thank you to everyone who's bought a copy or more like huge. Thank you. We're still number one on Amazon and exercise and fitness. Like I just, I just checked. Yeah, it's crazy. And thank you to everyone who's left a review. If you haven't left a review yet, it would mean the world to us, especially if it was a five star, like raving review, that would just be amazing. If it's anything less than that, just you keep it to yourself. But, uh, (laughs) 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 but yeah, thank you to everyone who's, who's bought copies and and who's left a review. It, It means the world to us. It means the world and the five-star Amazon reviews do really help us yeah. a lot. And, uh, and so thank you. We're, we're super appreciative. Yeah. What's next? Number three, storytelling. Mm. So this is one that we could go in multiple directions with because there are many ways to tell a story. For example, I mean, we could use even this podcast as an example. We have the the popcorn story. We have the pop-up scale story, which by the way, pop-up scales, 20% off, link in the show notes. But like people always connect to a story. The storytelling is super, super helpful. Um, and again, this you could use storytelling to grow your audience, but I think storytelling is the best way to, to go in depth, to get more depth with your audience, your current audience. Um, even just the simple stories we've told today, whether it was the popcorn story or the pop-up scales, whatever it is, it it creates more of a connection. It really does build a deeper connection with your audience. They feel like they know you better. Uh, they can relate to you a lot more. I'll never forget one time I was in high school and I went to this like uh, conference with my synagogue. I was in like 10th or 11th grade and they sent a few delegates from every synagogue to this conference in Baltimore. And um, and I was one of the delegates and I went and, and there was, it was a huge conference, thousands and thousands and thousands of, of people there. And the super, super old rabbi walks up to the podium, like super old, like the most cliche looking rabbi you could ever imagine walks up with like a very slow walk and he gets up to the podium and, and he gives like this most compelling speech I've ever heard. And I was enthralled and like, I was just, I couldn't take my eyes off him. And the entire place, thousands of people was quiet. You could hear a pin drop. Um, 
and at the end of it, he he went, he told, he was like, listen, the reason you're all so engaged right now is because I'm telling you stories. He's like, if you really want to get people's attention, tell stories. If you want to help people, tell stories. And that stuck out with me ever since. And um, again, there are many ways to tell stories and Mike will go into some other ways to do storytelling outside of simple ones like the pop-up scales and popcorn stories. But even what I just told you, it's a story. I used a story to get that message across, to explain why stories are so important. And it really is. I mean, it's also, it's fascinated me from the human element of it. Storytelling is like the most human thing that we do for for thousands and thousands of years. What did what did humans do? They they sat around like uh, a fire in, in a village, whatever it is, and they would sit there and they tell stories. And they would tell stories of mythical figures or of real people, and that's how people bonded and connected after a long day of work. And uh, I, I it still holds true to this day, whether it's on social media or whatever it is, or a podcast, like. People connect through storytelling and you can tell your story, you can tell client stories, you can do any number of types of stories, but telling a story is very powerful. We learn through storytelling too, mm-hmm. meaning uh, it's it's hard to learn just by giving someone, so let's say someone isn't familiar with the concept of loyalty or the concept of honor, it, it, and we can use a child as an example giving the definition of that word isn't sticky. Like having them read it out of the dictionary isn't going to um, have the same impact or last as long or have as as much of an effect as telling a story, which can be fiction or nonfiction. And if you compare just like, all right, Jordan, here's the definition of the word honor compared to watching several seasons of Game of Thrones, for example, and watching the character arc of Jon Snow and understanding on a much deeper archetypical level, what honor means compared to just what the dictionary says. It's it's a, a way to make it stickier, to make the concept stickier. And so how does this apply to your business, to your content creation? Many ways, like you just said, um, telling any stories is going to uh, improve, I don't know, intent, uh, attention or enjoyment yeah. of, what's, of the content. Um, just simply adding personal detail, meaning what you're doing either from a fitness or nutrition perspective, from a life perspective, including stories about yourself within your content, including stories about clients over time, for example, right? So we know that testimonials are effective for having new signups for a coaching business, but then continuing to tell stories that, uh, that teach lessons and educate about clients of yours, um, an extreme example of that was the ultimate sweat. Uh, when I coached Jamie and Matt Staples for a year and they had the weight loss, weight gain bet, people were $150,000 bet. People were very invested in that story, which is why I had Ben come out and we really documented a lot of it. And there was a lot of new audience as a result of it. Uh, and your storytelling doesn't need to be that extreme, obviously. There just aren't that many opportunities for that extreme of storytelling, but any way that you can work stories into your content is going to be, uh, is going to be a beneficial thing for you and for the audience. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I know one of the things that people will tell me is that they're just not a good storyteller. 
And they'll often be like, well, you're a good storyteller. It's like, well, I have a lot of practice and my early stories weren't that good. But so, I mean, in this, like, I don't know, your clients might be like, oh, I'm not good with working out or exercise or I'm not good with counting calories. Yeah, you fucking practice. You tell more stories. You do, you try more ways. I think the, the thing for me, the thing that I noticed, there are many things that I've noticed among good storytellers, but I'll give you two. Number one is they give you detail about about what's going on. So for example, I told you the story about when I was a, a delegate in 10th grade. I very much could have just said, "Oh yeah, there was this one guy who like uh he he once said to me, he was like, it's really important to tell stories." Like that's a fucking terrible story. But I was like, "Yeah, it, like when I was in 10th or 11th grade, so now you know my age. Uh I was sent to this I think I said it was in Baltimore. There were thousands of people in the room and you could hear a pin drop and this old rabbi walked up, like the most cliché rabbi you can imagine, walks up and you can, and I'm giving you details so that you feel like you're in the room. You can drop an image. I think one of the best people in the world at this is JK Rowling. Like there's nobody in the world that I've ever experienced who has been able to make she's literally created an entire world out of a story she's like she's created an entire world an entire cult that i'm a part of by the way like that like i was in the airport in heathrow in london and they had a whole harry potter shop and they had all these wands like i almost bought like a 50 dollar wand just be like it's a fucking piece of wood but i was like i really want this wand like it looked amazing that was because of her story that she told that got me so involved in this other world right it's uh it's the more detail you can give the better generally speaking the more you can make them feel like they're really there so that's number 1 um and the other thing is and this is easier said than done but the way that you tell you, I'm going to say it is again, it's easier said than done. And this comes with practice. You've just got to be confident with you telling the story. You've got to understand this is, this is something that's really interesting. We, and I'll use a dating analogy to, to get this across. If, if the person that you go on a date with someone first date and someone you say, well, what do you do for work? And they're like, oh yeah, you know, I work in tech. What do you do? It's like, well, geez, like that fucking sucked. But if you say, what do you do for work? And like, well, yeah, so I work at this tech startup, super excited about it. Right now, what we're trying to do is to get people to understand the concept of whatever it is, you, they go in. Now, all of a sudden, I might know nothing about tech, nothing about what they're talking about, but because they're excited about it and because they're passionate about it, I'm all ears. I love listening to people talk about something they're passionate about. We all do. I would listen to someone talk about watching paint dry if they were really passionate about it, right? And they could tell a story about it. So if whatever it is you're talking about, whatever it is you're telling a story about, be confident and be passionate about it. So I think one of the easiest ways to do that is to start by telling stories about your clients. If you are a coach, odds are you are vehemently passionate about your clients and helping them. And so let's say one of your clients, I don't know, deadlifts 200 pounds for the first time. Tell a story. When so-and-so first came to work with me, they were petrified to go in the gym. They were super nervous. They thought everyone in there was going to be judging them and looking at them. And we had an entire conversation about how are we going to get her into the gym? It took a lot of pushing. Finally, she got in there. And on day one, she almost walked right out, but she went to the bar and she put it on. And the first, she was nervous. She was nervous. She was going to hurt her back. And see, already I'm making this fucking story up. It's a fake story, but you create engagement and people get excited to hear about it. Not only 
only will people be excited to read and will they learn from it, but the person you're telling the story about is going to love you forever. They're going to, you're going to be featured on their page and they're going to see how passionate you are about them and about helping them. They're going to share that with their friends and their people. And then they're going to want to work with you. Storytelling. And there are so many ways to storytell. So we're like Mike we did with the ultimate sweat and the Staples brothers, like I did with the Big Mac challenge, right? That was a, a way of storytelling. There's an extreme example. Every time I do a cut, I, I, I'm cutting for a jujitsu competition, or whatever. I document it. Documenting is another way of saying storytelling. It's you're telling a story and you get better at it over time. Tell more stories and invite people into your life. That That's really how you can build more depth and, and reach people who are already in your community. Preach. Be excited and passionate. And I think what I'm pulling out of this also that you didn't say explicitly, but that is beneficial is read great fiction, mm. which will improve your ability to storytell just by what you pick up along the way or what you can mirror or, or glean from that. Yeah, I really think reading Harry Potter helped my writing and storytelling because when you read something like that, you realize there are so many details that aren't necessary to the story, but they're necessary for connection. They're necessary for you to create an image in your head, for you to relate to the character or to what's going on. You could tell the story of the Sorcerer's Stone without having a lot of these these extra fillers in there, these extra details. But like those details are what make you connect to the book. Those details are what makes you not able to put the book down that you need to keep turning the page. It's the details that create that. You don't need like to hear about like uh like Voldemort's eyes, how they looked like a snake eyes or that he like his slits for nose. Like you don't need to know that. But that's how you can start, you start to feel like disgusted and scared of him. And you, you create this fear, like you don't even want to say his name because like you can feel the fear that people have and how dangerous that he was. Like it's that stuff is what really creates a great story. Number four, hard work. Oh, I'm going to let you start with this one. I think you can start with this one. You're an extraordinarily hard worker. Yeah, but you got really passionate about this one this morning. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why the thing I love about hard work is it's a decision. It's purely a choice. And like I said before, I mean, some things aren't a choice, right? Having, uh, I don't even want to go into like genetics, but <laughs> <laughs> there, there are, we all have natural strengths and weaknesses as a human being. Um, being extraordinarily physically attractive, either as a man or a woman, gives you a, a leg up in life and all else equal, obviously. Like you can improve your physical attractiveness to an extent or to a degree, but gives you a leg up in life in everything. And you don't have any control over that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, your ability to sit down to smash the keys to write long form articles, to communicate one-on-one -on -one with people, to dollar 80 strategy, to give your two cents all over the internet, to take up that real estate in various comment sections, to help people from other people's comment sections, to go out there and build an audience from literally nothing is a choice. Mm -hmm. It's a choice. It's if, if you want to, and this is somewhere interesting where we could take this discussion is that first like two to three years of getting your business off the ground because it requires a disproportionate amount of work compared to the 
level of work that it will take to maintain your business. But the reason that work ethic is on this list is because one, it's a choice, unlike many other things. Uh, Two, it will directly impact your success and the speed of your success. Um, And three, we're just living in a time, and we've touched on this in uh, various points in recent episodes, but we're living in a time where hard work is demonized, where hard work is, uh, you know, whether it's workaholic, whether people bring in like, you know, you're promoting mental illness or you're pushing people into depression. No, no, you're not. When, when, like, think of the average office worker. Think of the average person who drives their car to an office to sit down for a nine to five. They have, you know, Becky at the cubicle next door and they have, you know, Larry at the next cubicle over who they stop behind. I'm trying to do Jordan's storytelling and I'll give some details. Larry, who has thin gray hair and you have people you're talking to throughout the day. You go to the water cooler, you go get your hour and a half lunch with. How much time are you actually spending doing real work, real sit down, focused knowledge work? In other industries, like if you're a construction worker, I mean, yes, there are, are breaks you're taking, but you're, you're, the amount of work you're doing is much more trackable, much more visible. And whereas if you're sitting at a computer, like you can be, I could be playing chess for 20 minutes because I want a little break here. I'm scrolling Twitter. I'm, how much time are you actually spending working? I would venture to guess. I think it's much lower than most people think. I think three hours a day is extremely, extremely generous. Correct. It's less than three hours a day. Um, When that is the competition, putting in six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours of real focused work a day, almost every day for a couple years, getting things off the ground is going to give you a substantial leg up and, and massively increase your chances of success. Preach. Mic drop. I love that story too. That was those details were good. The water cooler, Larry with the thin gray hair. That was great. All right, Dale. All right. I, no, it was. I felt like I was in the office. Um, yeah. flickering lights. Wow, Flore- that fluorescent light that you feel like is just eroding your soul, and that old carpet that's thirty years old and like not quite moldy, but like you definitely don't want to spend time in there. And ugh, yeah, fuck that. The snack drawer with all the like high fat, high sugar processed stuff that you, it's just there. So you're going to go for it. Yeah. Chips Ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> I love those Chips Ahoy. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if there's much more to say about that. I mean, it, you just got to fucking work hard. I, it, that's really it. And, and you also have to understand how hard do you need to work for your goals? Right. Like let's say you've are, let's say you've got 35 to 45 clients right now between 200 to 300 dollars a month and you're happy. Cool. Like take Amazing. a chill. Yeah. You don't need to keep grinding just for the sake of grinding. Um, I work way less hard now than I did five years ago or four years ago. Like I way less hard. Like I'm far more relaxed. I sleep in more. Like I do more things that I enjoy. I like, I'm, I'm watching, I watch TV with my wife. Like I never used to watch TV and I used to wear it like a badge of honor for some reason. Like, Oh yeah, I don't even have a TV. <laughs> like who cares? <laughs> fuck face. Like it doesn't, no one cares. Right. But like now, you know, have you seen the terminal list? I'm watching the terminal list right now. It's amazing. It's super good. 
It's with it's Chris not Pratt. related to the terminal with uh, Tom Hanks. No, is it? that's an amazing movie. That's a that's a really good movie. But it's a completely different topic. Chris Pratt plays this Navy SEAL who's a part of an uh, of a mission that I don't want to give it away, but amazing show. You should watch. You'll you'll love it. You will really really love this show. It's I think it's brand new. Um, it's awesome. Definitely watch it. So I'll check yeah, it out. Watching that with my wife. Wake up a little bit late. Um, I'm like, yeah, you know, I just, I do th- more things for me and my family now than I d- did before. Cause before I, it was just me and I just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. That's, that's one reason because it was just you and now you have a family. But the other reason is because you were still building before. Yeah. 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 If you worked as hard as you are right now in 2013, you wouldn't be where you are right now. That's exactly right. That's a fact. Correct. Yep. You have to work. It's like, uh, adding muscle is probably a good example. If you think about like an intermediate lifter adding muscle, it takes a lot of work to add muscle. It takes a lot of intense sets to add muscle over time. It takes a lot of consistency, but to maintain that lean mass is so much easier and requires so much less volume and intensity. Yeah. Same thing with nutrition. Like when you first start learning about nutrition, you got to read about it. You got to learn about calories and macros. You got to Google search, all right, how many calories in this? You got to weigh and measure the food out so you know what the portion size looks like. And you got to change what you're eating and change the portions. And then, you know, after a couple of years, you could eyeball it and you've got your your schedule down and your habits down and you can sort of maintain it without having to think about it as much. Whereas before, like when you're trying to figure out how much, I don't know, like trying to figure out how much uh, six ounces of chicken weighs, like you're weighing it out. You can't really have a conversation while you're doing it because you're so focused on it. Now you can just look at it on a plate and know, yeah, it's between like five and six ounces and have a full on conversation without really needing to take some time to concentrate on that chicken to figure it out. So any anything that you want, you're going to have to spend, especially in the beginning, a front loaded period of time of very, very hard work. And even more so in building a business. Yes. Like you can learn how to, I love the analogy, but even the the difference in hours worked is so much bigger in those, in building from zero to a full-time job, we'll call it. Yeah. Yeah. Is night and day compared to the effort it takes to maintain it, especially if you're delivering, getting client referrals, doing a good job. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we could do a whole episode on that, but we won't. Number five. Number five might be i'm i'm not afraid to say this i'm actually really happy we are because this is something that i point this is something that is innate in jordan site's dna down to his absolute core i don't he know what number five is by the way i have no idea what you did this good, on yourself I'm gonna, I'm gonna build it up jordan was oh, given I, a copy I know, yeah, of how, I remember, yeah. <laughs> of how to read friends how to win friends and influence people at a young age and was like, this is stupid. Like, how do people not know this? This is all very, very obvious. And most of the population does not have that uh, reaction when reading that book for the first time. Um, this is something that I think is, feels slightly manipulative to someone like me. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it is. Abso- it is manipulative. It, it's 100% and, and manipulative. It's absolutely true. Number five is make people like you. It's manipulative, but I think usually we use the word manipulate in a bad or negative way. I don't think it has to be. And I remember getting in a huge argument with my buddy David about this when I first read that book. And I, and he got really mad. He's like, it's not manipulative. I was like, it is manipulative, but it doesn't have to be bad, right? Think about this. 
what are the whole reason someone is making content on social media for fitness is this they're listening to this podcast is to help people you're to help people but so that you can build a business off of it like no one's posting on instagram every day just because they they enjoy it they're doing it because like well hopefully it will help people but also they'll come to me and they'll pay me for my services you're doing something specifically with the end goal of trying to get them to take the action to then pay you for your services so that you can then make more money and support your family and all that. And yes, you're doing it in a noble way, but that's manipulative. It is. It's just not bad. I don't think manipulation has an inherent bad connotation to it. You can be manipulative in a bad way. You can manipulate people to do things that you want that are are bad or inappropriate or wrong or immoral. But I mean – the whole reason that someone is going to be making fitness content online is to get people to pay for their service. So it is manipulation in that sense. Um, but I just don't think it has to be seen with a negative light. I'm with you, but I'm just telling you how it feels internally in my guts. Yeah. I, yeah. Persuasion can be good or bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But, but the reason why it has to be in this top five is because, and, and we've, you know, not business coach, but we've helped a lot of coaches build their business. And we have seen very, very knowledgeable, intelligent, great coaches who aren't as socially apt, don't have a great aptitude socially, or or don't have a great ability to make people like them, we'll say, or just don't have a super quote unquote likable personality, not do nearly as well as coaches who might not be as intelligent and might not know the research as well and just might even not be as good of a coach who are much more successful because they embody this trait. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly right. You, uh, <laughs> I mean, and this, this isn't just for building a business. This is like, if you go for a job interview, the people at the job interview, the people who are picking who's going to get the job are not only going to pick someone just based on how smart they are. Gary talks about this all the time. He's like, he's not going to pick someone just because they might be the best. He's going to pick someone who fits in with the community, who's going to be a good team player, who's like a good person. I think the the people in the, people in the world generally tend to pick people, whether it's a, a partner or a spouse or a coworker or an employee or someone to hire as a fitness coach is they want someone, the cliche is, uh, is to, they don't, they don't care about you until they know how much you care about them. Right. And rea the reality is a lot of times people liking you comes down to knowing if they, you care about them. Uh, and, and that is going to come from how you act and from what you say. And like when, if, if they can tell that you really care about them, um, and sometimes making sure people know that you care about them is, uh, it's not just about giving good content. It's not just about being right and having like good, like having a correct information. It's about how you interact with them and how you interact with that information, how you deliver the information. Um, these are things that will get people to be like, oh, I really like that person. I really like you. Not because I mean, I know actually some people who um, are unbelievably smart and who like are, I'm not going to name them because like, they'd probably be a little bit offended, but like they're super smart. They are, they're f from a just from like a by the book perspective, they would be a great coach, but people fucking hate them 
because they're like they just don't like their demeanor. They don't like how they act. They don't like how they interact with people. They don't like how how it's so what, much. What did, what do they what do they do specifically that makes people not like them? So argumentative, very argumentative, very negative, mm. very negative all the time. Oftentimes, very show offy. Like all they do is just show off what they do. Uh, it's just like look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, they pick a lot of fights with people. Um, they're 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 I would say very very disagreeable very disagreeable uh, right so like to on the, the, on the big, big five personality yeah big five personality test traits agreeableness very disagreeable correct it, like too much and i think a certain a certain amount of disagreeableness can actually be something that people like they like to see it they don't want to watch someone just get walked all over that that, that doesn't it's not something people enjoy seeing they don't admire that or respect that but you're talking like 98th percentile correct they're to the point where everything is be in an argument like imagine I think we've all been in a discussion with someone where no matter what you say, the person's like, well, yeah, but, well, yeah, but it's like, it's one of the things that really annoys me when people are like, well, yeah, but I'm like, and I actually, I've gotten in arguments with my mom, my mom about this because we'll say something, well, I'll, I will have a conversation and I'll give my point and then she'll say, well, yeah, but, and then she'll give her point and her point agrees with my point. And I'll be like, but why did you say, yeah, but like, that means you're about to disagree with me, but you just agreed with everything I said. She was like, yeah, I know. I was just adding this. I was like, but don't say yeah, but be like, yeah, and right. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, uh -huh. It's a uh -huh. simple thing that like, I don't know if other people think about this stuff, but like that stuff pisses me off. And I think that even if you don't actively think about it, people feel it in how we communicate. And, and this is one of the things I love about language. Like words are really, really important. The words you choose to use and how you choose to use them and how you say them, like it matters. It really does matter. And I think I'm very lucky. It, it comes naturally to me, but like I've also enjoyed studying it and looking into it and like saying like, wow, like this stuff on a subconscious level plays a big role in whether or not someone is going to be drawn to you and to like you or not. And that, I mean, people are way more likely to hire someone that they like, even if like, they're not like the best coach than they are to hire someone who might be the best coach, but they don't fucking like them because it all comes back to, do they care about you? And that that's, that's really what it boils down to. If they can tell that you really care about them, they're going to like you so much more. So you have to make that a really big part of, of what you do. Make sure they know that you care about them and that, that you appreciate them. I think that's the number one way to help people really get a connection with you and to like you is they, you, they have to know that you care about them. Yeah. At the core of it. That's yeah. the, the feeling, the philosophy, the yes. The, real quick, they're, to play devil's advocate, some people will say, well, you know, this person is super successful and they're very disagreeable and very argumentative and pretty cynical and very like needs to win every argument needs to be right. It is my opinion that that person is successful in spite of that behavior and, and that, you know, if they impl Im implemented more Dale Carnegie, that they would actually be more quote unquote successful. So there are people like that. I agree that they would be successful in spite of that. But I also know these people and I know someone that we're probably talking about, like we're probably on the same page of this right now. And these people tend to be very unhappy. And so like they're perpetually unhappy and angry people, even if their business is doing very well, they complain 
all the fucking time. They're angry, they're mad, they're comparing themselves to other people, and it comes across in their content because in their content, they're angry and mad and upset and pessimistic and, and very disagreeable. So if we're only defining success as how well is your business doing, then yes, some people will be able to succeed in spite of this. But if your success does isn't solely relegated to how well your business is doing, but also includes your happiness on a, on a whole, your health, your mental health, your emotional health, like work-life balance, all of that stuff, then <laughs> life is much easier if you don't, if you're not just a pessimistic, negative piece of shit all the time. It's much, it's much easier like, and far less stressful. Uh-huh. And far more enjoyable. Yeah. And just, yeah. People hate listening to people complain. It's the worst. No one likes listening to someone complain. It's the fucking worst. So it, be very cautious. This is why I'm, 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 I tend not to do the videos like calling people out about their fitness content because it's so easy for it to come across as complaining and and just being a whiner or like jealous. These are all things that people don't like to see. Um, someone who does it very well is James Smith. He does a very good job of making it funny. He makes it funny so it doesn't come across as complaining or whining. It comes across more as like a stand-up comedy act. And that's funny. And people, if you can be funny, then great. Not everyone's going to be funny with it. But if you know you're not a funny person and you're doing these like call-out videos, be very aware that it's probably looking like complaining. And that is not a good look. We got a sale 20% off pop-up scales is the discount code at fitnessbusinessmentorship.com. You can get there in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. We're back from the intermission. Weekly uploads infinitely into the future. Until the next intermission. Who knows when that'll be. So for right now, to get in at the lowest price that you will ever get for the online fitness business mentorship, if you want help building your business, if you want us to teach you step-by-step step what you need to do to help more people, reach more people, uh, build a business that can support you and your family and your loved ones while helping people achieve their fitness and health goals, go to the link in the show notes, pop up scales for the 20% off discount code, and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everyone.